first volume of my Acts commentary has just come out, and most of volume one is just introduction. However, it also deals with the introductory chapters of Acts, Acts chapters one and two. And in this brief segment, I just want to summarize seven points of interest from Acts chapters one and two, namely the promise of Pentecost, the preparation for Pentecost, the proofs of Pentecost, the peoples of Pentecost, the prophecy of Pentecost, the preaching of Pentecost, and the power of Pentecost. First of all, looking at the promise of Pentecost, especially in chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Here, Jesus tells the disciples not to, not to leave Jerusalem until they've received power from on high. That is, before we can carry out our mission, we need the power to do it. And the power that he expresses to the disciples is the power of the Holy Spirit. And this would have been dramatic to the disciples because many people believed that the Spirit was no longer active in the same way the Spirit was in the Old Testament prophets. But that's why uh, in uh, Acts chapter 2, when the, when the verse is quoted from Joel, it says, In the last day, says God, I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. In other words, the Spirit was something that belonged especially to the end time. Jesus was letting the disciples know, yes, he's the Messiah, and therefore the, the foretaste of the kingdom has already come among them. They say, well, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel if this is the case? He says, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons, but you'll receive power after the Spirit comes on you. The Spirit was associated with the end time, but the Spirit was also associated with the prophets. When Jewish people thought of the Spirit, they especially thought of the Spirit who empowered the prophets to speak for God. It would be like Jesus pointing to his disciples and saying, you'll be like Jeremiah, you'll be like Isaiah, you'll be like Deborah, you'll be like Miriam. When God has given us the Spirit, he's given us the power to speak for him. And in verse 8, it says that this power is not just in some generic sense, but the power is to speak for God, to be witnesses for Christ, across all cultural barriers, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. He goes on then to the preparation for Pentecost. For one, they have to restore the leadership structure of the church. Scandals are not just a new problem. There was a scandal in Jesus' day. One of his own chief disciples deserted him. So the disciples needed to get another disciple uh, so their number would be restored to 12 for the mission again to Israel. But there's another aspect of that preparation that's very important for us as well. And that is in chapter 1 and verse 14, we read that the disciples were, were praying together. And then in chapter 2 and verse 1, we, we read again that they were together in one place, in unity. What that tells us is that the, the whole part of the preparation for Pentecost was framed by the disciples being together in unity and in prayer. As we are seeking for the outpouring of God's Spirit in our lives, we see something that runs throughout Luke Acts. Jesus says in Luke eleven thirteen that if you ask for the Holy Spirit, your Father will give that. And in various places in the book of Acts, people are praying when the Spirit of God comes. We also learn about the proofs of Pentecost. Some of these are dramatic, uh, the fire and the wind, like at Mount Sinai and other theophanies, other revelations of God in Scripture. But the third proof of Pentecost is perhaps the most climactic. And that's where the disciples begin praising God in other people's languages. They begin speaking in, in tongues. This happens, unlike the other two events, 
This happens two other times when the Spirit is poured out in the book of Acts. Luke wants to emphasize this point. Why would Luke emphasize praying in tongues when the Spirit comes in the book of Acts? My suspicion is it has to do with the particular aspect of the Spirit's ministry that Luke is emphasizing. In chapter 1 and verse 8, the Spirit comes on us to give us power to be witnesses among the nations. What greater sign could God give to His church that He was empowering the church to reach the nations than to enable us to worship God in other people's languages? Now this is not to enter into modern debates about how often today this, this happens when people are filled with the Spirit. It's just to make the point that, that God was saying to the church, I'm giving you the power of the Spirit for this purpose, to cross all cultural barriers, to reach all nations, to speak for me. And then he goes on from the proofs of Pentecost to the peoples of Pentecost, carrying on with the same point that was illustrated by the speaking in tongues. We see Jewish people from every nation under heaven. Now, they were Jewish, but this was the closest way that God could foreshadow on the day of Pentecost what the power of the Spirit was for. Already on the day of Pentecost, God was bringing together representatives from all peoples with the good news of the gospel. And many scholars see this, I think rightly, as a reversal of Babel. This is one of many illusions. I mean, back in chapter 1 with the promise of Pentecost, when Jesus is ascending to the Father, he, he gives them the promise of the Spirit. Just like when Elisha was ascending, he promised Elisha a double portion of his spirit, um, the prophetic empowerment. But here also a reversal of Babel so that the good news goes out to, to all the nations, uh, here in a preliminary way, but ultimately uh, continuing in our own day this, this mission to all the nations that the, the original apostles were the first witnesses and that we continue to carry on this, this mission. Looking very briefly at the prophecy of Pentecost, Peter interprets what's happened in light of the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2. God says he'll pour out his spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. These were activities that were often uh, associated with prophets in the Bible. And then Peter adds in another line that's not even there in Joel, and they will prophesy, driving home the point that the same spirit who empowered the prophets is the same spirit who now empowers us to declare the word of the Lord, the, the good news of the gospel, the good news of Christ to the ends of the earth. Which brings us then to the preaching of Pentecost. Because the last line that Peter quotes before moving on to his sermon is, whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, whoever calls in, in Hebrew, it, it was whoever calls in the name of Yahweh will be saved. But Joel went on, and Peter finishes part of that quotation later in his sermon, whoever the Lord will call, the Lord our God will call. In between, Peter is doing a good Jewish midrash. That is, a, a, he's interpreting the last line that he quoted. And he interprets it by weaving together texts with, with some related wording to show that the name of the Lord on whom we're to call for salvation in this era of salvation is Jesus of Nazareth. So he says in the climax of his sermon, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. In other words, the name on, on whom we are to call for salvation is none other than Jesus Christ, the one who is empowering his church.
But finally we come to the power of Pentecost. Because Pentecost was not just about the gifts of the Spirit, not just about power to speak prophetically for God. It was about the fruit of the Spirit. It was about the long-range impact of the Spirit among God's people. We see this in, in uh, verse 41 and again in verse 47 of chapter 2, that the church was growing. In verse 41, that their number came to 3,000 because of Peter's preaching. But in verse 47, the church was growing. People were being added every day because of the way God's people were living. And we see it again in, in some of the verses sandwiched in between, in verse 42 and then again in verse 46, that, that they were meeting together, they were praying together, they were, they were carrying one another's needs, they were, they were listening to apostolic teaching together. Being together as God's people is also a witness, just like the proclamation. And we see that in, uh, uh, to quote another person in the New Testament, by this all people will know that you're my disciples. If you have love one for another, that is also a great way of preaching. But you look at verses 44 and 45, the, the center of this last section in the power of the Spirit, we see something that really challenges us deeply. That is, that God's people loved one another so much, so deeply, that they were prepared to sacrifice their possessions for one another. They loved people more than they loved possessions. They were selling their goods as anyone had need. Now, this also fits what it means to have a repentant lifestyle throughout Luke-Acts. Um, you know, uh, in Acts 16, someone uh, says, what shall I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. But there are also other aspects of the answer to that question. In Luke chapter 3, people ask John the Baptist, what shall we do? How shall we show our repentance? He says, if you have two cloaks, give one to the person who has none. In Luke chapter 18, a rich ruler says to Jesus, uh, what, what shall I do to have eternal life? He says, sell everything you have and give to the poor. And so Peter is called on the people to repent. But in their repentance, it went so deep that it touched every aspect of their lives. When Jesus Christ becomes Lord of our life, when we are really filled with the power of His Spirit, we will proclaim His message to other people and we will serve one another and care about one another's needs. That also is an expression of the power of the Spirit and was a great way to kick off the book of Acts where we read about God's power as God forces His people to cross cultural barriers and reach all peoples with the good news of His kingdom. Mm -hmm.